Genesis chapter 1, um, I want to encourage you to take a few notes today. I have a number of lists and some, some thoughts. TikTok is all about how to use the gift of time to build a great life, how to use the gift of time. Megan is going to share uh, the greatest gift that God has ever given us in about 30 minutes or so, but I believe that time is easily in the top five of God's best gifts that he's given us. And so I'm very passionate about time management. Um, I actually believe that at the root of a lot of our issues as followers of Christ, uh, as people in general, even if you're not a follower of Christ, I believe at the root of a lot of our problems in life is a lack of time management. And so we're going to we're going to open up the scripture and see what God has to say about it. Genesis chapter one, we'll start in the beginning. And um, and it says this here, it says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. And so th- th- God is triune. And so we are also triune beings. You know, that prefix tri means three. God is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We are also three in one. We are spirit, soul, and body. So we have a three part nature though being the same person and if that trinity aspect never made sense to you in terms of god this is the way i'll simplify it um god the father god the son god the holy spirit joshua the father joshua the husband joshua the son same person three functions so he's the same god but depending on the function in that particular time that's who he manifest himself as all right it says this here the image of god he created them uh, male and female he created them then god blessed someone say blessed blessed them and said be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and govern it and so i really want to hang on this idea of multiplication during this message um and the word multiply here because the old testament was written uh, are translated originally in Hebrew, the word multiply in the Hebrew is dagal, and it means to increase or to grow, to increase or to grow. And a very elementary kind of basic understanding of this verse is, well, I've blessed you to have children, now have a lot of kids and spread out across the earth. That's the primary elementary basic understanding of this verse. But what God was really saying beyond that, beyond having a lot of children, is that anything you put your hands on, I have enabled you to increase it. Right. Yes. I've enabled you to grow it, to, 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 to grow it. And so I don't just want you to fill the earth with your presence. I want you to fill the earth with my glory. Um, so I, I expect that when I've given you two of a thing, that when I come back, you're going to have made four or five. If I give you five of a thing, when I come back, you would have multiplied it into 10 or 15. There's this call on your life that as long as you are alive, you should be increasing, not decreasing. And um, it's kind of like Matthew chapter 25. Jesus was teaching this story about how a master gave three of his servants uh, five bags of gold, two bags of gold, one bag of gold. And Jesus said that the master went away for some time. And I love how Jesus doesn't qualify the time because what he's trying to tell us is that the father will give you resource and he'll back off for a season. 
But the Bible says that Jesus said that he came back after some time. And when he came back, he was looking to reward or take away from the person. And I believe God is doing that in any given season in your life. He's, he's giving you something. He's backing out to see what you're going to do with it. He's coming back to see if he can give you more or if he needs to take it away because we were irresponsible. So a lot of people are praying for more money, but God won't give you what you're already mismanaging. So if, 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 you, if you manage it well, come on now. This is good. I'm just here to help. Um, if you manage it well, he's going to give you more of it. But if you don't, why would, why, why would you give a kid something that always breaks their toys? Why, why would you give them more toys? He, he wants to increase you. And so here, here's the key question. Here's the hanger question for today, okay? Here it is. Do I use the time, the gift of time, to increase what I've been given? Do I use the gift of time to increase what I've been given? Or am I using it? And um, there are two things that God gives us. God gives us resource, and he gives us time. He gives us relationship. He gives us a job. He gives us a career. He gives us an opportunity. And then he gives us time. Okay? You ever heard the, the, the quote, time is money? Yeah. Time is money. Well, we know time is not money. But the idea is that time is valuable. Yeah. And whenever something is valuable, I need you to catch this. I need you to understand this is that whenever something's valuable, it has the capacity to bring back more into your life. Depending on how you use it, it has the capacity to bring back more, right? Uh, Blessed is a man who has found a wife, for he has received a reward from the Lord. And so here it is, like not even from an anatomical standpoint or a physiological standpoint or a biological standpoint, but here it is. Just I need you to think clean, okay? Whenever you invest something into a woman, that's what you will get back out of her. So if you invest love, if you invest time, if you invest, you know, grace and mercy and goodness, she will bring value back into your life, increase value. It's the same thing with your current job. If you see it as valuable and you approach it in that way, heaven's going to look down and say, wow, right? I think they're going to come upon a promotion or I'm going to open up a new door for them because this valuable gift of a job, of a paycheck, and God honors that. So whenever you see something as valuable, it has the capacity to bring more back into your life. There's a a scriptural uh, principle called... um, uh, reap and you sow. Whatever you, whatever you sow, that shall you reap, right? It's a principle. So here are two thoughts about that. It won't come up on the screen. But uh, you reap what you sow. Here it is. And number two, you reap more than what you sow. You reap more than what you sow. So it's important that everything that our hands touch, we see as super valuable, There's nothing or no one that God gives us that's invaluable. And what he's doing is he's seeing, can I trust them with more? Because I want to give them more. All right, so we got to check that attitude. Someone say, check that attitude. attitude. I got to check it. One day I was praying for that job. Now I don't want it. It's a little bipolar up in there somewhere. I don't don't deal with people like that. That's weird to me. We got to stay thankful. Someone say, stay thankful. thankful. Don't stay thankful. Stay thankful. A little tongue twister. 
That's the t-shirt, right? Don't stay thankful, stay thankful. <laughs> Production is dying back there. Oh my God. Because here's the deal. Here's simply the deal. Thank you, Lord, for the simplicity that you gave me for this message. It is so profound. I thank you for the revelation in it. Here's the deal. I will misuse my time if I don't keep the end in mind. My teenagers, you won't be 15 all your life. So, so how are you stewarding? How are you managing that history class? Are you studying your books? Are you keeping your room clean? Because you're building, you're building habits that will either pay off or you will have to pay for when you get in your 20s. My 20-year-olds, you won't be in your 20s all your life. Are you keeping the end in mind? And are you reverse engineering to this moment and going about life in a different way. Because if, if you want a different result, you got to adjust some things. But if you don't keep the end in mind, you're going to wake up one day in your 70s and 80s, and you're going to be that person who's always saying, I wish I would have. Man, I wish I would have listened to that pastor with that gray sweater that day. I wasn't listening. I wanted to go to brunch, and you digest that, and that goes out like Jesus says. But the important part is to listen to what I'm saying right now. Because your brunch will be outside of your body in six hours. But this word can change the rest of your life. I love it. I was having Bible study with my wife and my mother-in-law uh, yesterday. And, and she was reading on how in the Passion Translation, Jesus said, um, when, whenever the word is preached, I love the way they put it in the Passion. He said that the listeners, oh my God, this is so good ought to work diligently to understand what is being said. Wow. So like that, that posture of being leaned into the word of God, getting that thing in your heart. So, so as soon as you leave these doors, you can live it out. So you can begin to see different results. It's important that I, I just don't study and work diligently throughout the week. But when you come to church, you lean in diligently. You take those notes. You get it in your heart. You get it in your mind. You get it in your spirit. So God can answer your prayers. Because he wants that. God has all the resource. He wants to answer your prayers. But you got to keep the end. Does someone say the end? The end in mind. Research confirms that the average American spends two hours and 20 minutes on social media a day. At the end of the year, that equals out to 34 days per year. So that's one month and some change that many of us will never get back in our lives because it's recreational, just scrolling, doom scrolling, right? And it's, you never get that month and some change back that year. And, and this is what we have to simply begin to ask ourselves when it comes to time mastery is do I want a stressed future or a blessed future? Do, do, do I want to, what, what value is laughing at this multiple times going to add into my life? Because really what it is, it, I'm blanketing all the brokenness. 
And I'm trying, it, it's the new alcohol, it, it's the new drug, it, it's the new thing that we escape towards. We don't see it that way, but it's just as much an addiction as anything else. We escape towards it to, come on, we can, come on, we celebrate that. We, we, we escape toward it because it's something that we don't want to confront in our reality. I got to study for this test. I will. I'll get to it. I'll pull an all-nighter. I got a project. I got a conversation I need to have. And we're just, we're not confronting the things that God has given us the wisdom and the power to confront. And we're wasting a month and change of our lives every year scrolling on social media, making other people rich. All right, I love this um, quote right here. Gary Keller says this. He's a Keller Williams real estate. One of, I just love this quote. One of the biggest real estate outfits in the world. He said this here. Lean into this. It won't come up on the screen. When you see someone who has a lot of knowledge, they learned it over time. When you see someone who has a lot of skills, they develop them over time. When you see someone who has done a lot, they accomplished it over time. When you see someone who has a lot of money, they earned it over time. Over time. Someone say over time. Over time. Over time. Over time. Over time. Over time. time, the great multiplier. That's the name of this, this message. Time the great multiplier. I mean, even when you think about math, right? That, that X symbol, right? When, when you do math, multiplication, um, two times three, two times 1,000. It, it's times yes. because time will multiply prosperity or will multiply dysfunction. So whatever you put into time, time will give back to you. Time, the great multiplier, right? When you see someone who has accomplished a lot, they accomplished it over time. So th this is what I don't want you to do. I want to encourage you to not be so tired at the end of a workday. Here it is. Don't be so frustrated going into it. And don't be so worn out coming out of it. Because your life is more than your eight to five. And it's before work and after work, those are the hours of gold that you must learn to value a little bit more. Those are the hours of your life where you have to stop escaping reality because you're, you got to gear yourself up to go into another day you don't want to go into. So as your pastor, this is a clarion call from heaven. I need you to steward your mornings better and I need you to steward your after work better. Because if you do those things, God will take you through the seasons that you don't necessarily prefer in time. Right? Because, you know, a lot of us are, are trying to buck seasons. It's like, I, I want to get out of this season. But let me tell you something. If God has put you in it, right, you in it. Joseph, if God has put you in Potiphar's house, where are you going? Potiphar didn't put you there. Your brothers didn't put you there. You can, now, here, you can blame it on people, but the fact is, is God has allowed it. And, and there's, come on now. And that, that's where the perspective shift needs to happen. Like, it's not my mom. It's not my dad. It's, 
maybe the Lord has somehow allowed this to build something in me. So it's, it's all in how I approach the morning and, and approach the day. I want to give you some biblical examples of those who were masters at, at time blocking. Someone say time block. Time they, they, were, they were time management, time, time mastery people, uh, namely Jesus Christ, the greatest person to ever live, the greatest leader, the most successful person to ever live. If I'm going to follow someone's example, it needs to be Jesus himself. Luke 5 verse 16 says this, Jesus often, someone say often, often. withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Yes. Often. Often. What, what does that mean if you're taking notes? That means that he was intentional. It was habitual. And it was frequent. Often. Often. It, it was a habit. I, I got to spend time with the Father. I have to pray. I have to cry out. I have to share my heart. It was often. It was a priority. It was a priority. Uh, Mark 1, uh, verse 35, NIV says this about Christ. <laughs> I love the emphasis. L look at the first nine words of this verse. Here it is. Watch this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark. Right? As if we don't get the point, Lord. Like, we, we get it. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark. <laughs> Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Whenever God is emphatic about something, it's because he wants you to apply it to your life. Very early in the morning before dark. God is overstating it to get something to you. And what he's saying is, is that I want you to start taking care of your mornings. Because how you start the day determines the quality of your day. And Jesus, the most greatest person to ever live, got out of the grave, died for our sins. He's in heaven right now. You can't find the body because it's not there. The reason for all of his power and success came in centering his life on time with God first thing in the morning. Such an unsexy step. I want to be successful. I want to be the man. I want to be the woman. I want to be that boss. I want to. You're not a boss unless you do it like the boss. It's, it's when you do it like the boss. When you begin to reach boss status and boss level. And the boss understood who his boss was. And he depended on him. And he prioritized his relationship with him. And it was from that place he would start his day. Daniel. Daniel was a uh, Hebrew boy, uh, Israel had turned from the Lord for years. God was calling them, repent, come back to me, repent. I want to bless you. I want to protect you. Israel turned from the Lord, turned from the Lord, turned from the Lord. So finally, God allowed uh, Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar to rise up. And Babylon um, took the Jewish people from Israel and exiled them over to what is modern-day Iraq. Babylon was sinful. They wouldn't repent. God said, all right. Let me raise up Persia. Persia took over Babylon, and then the Persians took the Jewish slaves over to Persia. But Daniel, this Jewish man who loved the Lord, who loved the word of God, he loved the presence of God, every, in every season he rose through the ranks of leadership. He became the most powerful man in Babylon under the king. Then he became the most powerful man in Persia under the king because of his value system and his habits. Now, 
I'm going to read a verse, such a powerful verse. Can't wait to meet this guy when I get to heaven. He's one of my heroes. It says this here. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, because it was illegal to pray to anyone except the king of Persia. All right. He's, he did this. He went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. So he was balling with his windows. Y'all even catch that with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. What's the key word there? Always. So in Daniel 1, when he's exiled, he's 15 years old. Ah, young people get this. <laughs> I want to be great. Let's be great. Daniel 1, he was 15. Daniel 6, he's 81 years old. For 66 years, every day, three times a day, he's centering his life around the Lord. And no matter the ups and downs, Babylon, Persia, persecution, haters, people leaving his life, trauma, mom dead, dad dead, grandma dead, through all those seasons of life, God was still elevating him in every season because his priority was always three times a day with the father. It was, it was time blocked. 6 a.m., 1 p.m., 8 p.m. before bed. I'm spending time with God. Here's the big takeaway from G because Jesus, he would, Jesus, read the gospels. Oh, let me encourage you. Jesus would pray and then he would come out and choose the 12 disciples who changed the world. The Bible says that they were uneducated men and women, but they turned the world upside down. Right. But the reason they were so powerful is because their leader had such a powerful prayer life. Jesus would go up to the mountain and pray. And then a few hours later, he's walking on water. Right. Right. And this, this story about Daniel predates the, the y'all ever heard that story where the, the lion's mouths were closed. Right. In, in the fiery furnace, um, uh, Daniel didn't burn. There was no he didn't even smell like smoke. All of these stories, all of these prayer moments predate those miracles. So, so here's the takeaway. First, it's wise use of time. Then it's breakthrough and miracles. Wise use of time. Then breakthrough and miracles. And, and it, I, would, I would fail you as a pastor if, if I did not encourage you to understand that God's greatest miracles are not instantaneous. They're great, but his greatest miracles are incremental. That's right. yeah. they, they happen over the course of years. Mm -hmm. Because the miracle is, isn't even really the blessing. The, the miracle is the discipline that you allowed the Holy Spirit to work through you over those years. You became a different person. You had different disciplines. You had different habits. And as a result, your future should have been in that direction, but it went in that direction. The, come on now. The greatest miracle is that discipline. Three times a day for 66 years. Ooh. Mm -mm -mm. It encourages me. Got some big prayers, big dreams, big vision. And I know I'm not just going to, hey, I'm there. 
Woo, it took a whole day to get here. I'm in the middle of my dreams. Yeah, good old dream. No, no, I'm 36. And I understand that one day I'll be 56. So so what does every Monday from now to 56 look like? Every Tuesday, every Wednesday, every Thursday, every Friday, every Saturday, every... What does it look like for the next 20 years so I can look up one day and say, wow. Look at the Holy Spirit work discipline and self-control within me. Got to keep the end in mind. I was talking with Brandon about this uh, between services. And we were saying how if you're not careful, um, social media, it's, it's a trap, right? And if you have your business on there, do your thing, do what you got to do. I, my, my church on there, all that, I, I get it. But the idea is this, the, the mission statement of Instagram is to capture life's moments, right? One moment at a time. And a moment is 90 seconds. So when you see someone that you look up to that's highly successful by the world standards, um, and you're in your bed at night and you're like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Oh, my God, that's so amazing. Deep down, you're wishing that you had that life. The unfortunate trap about this is that you're applying a 30-year process into a 90-second capture. And what tends to happen in your spirit, I'm revealing to you by the presence and by the power of God, what happens in your spirit is that you become unsettled and you become unmotivated and uninspired. And you don't recognize it because it's subconscious. You're uninspired, so you don't give it your best because what you're looking at is supposed to take 90 seconds, but the Lord has said it's going to take 30 years. When you see someone who has done a lot, they accomplished it over time. We have a visionary highlight church, 20 locations by 2040. At the current rate we're going, we're not going to make it. With natural eyes, we're not going to reach 20,000 people across 20 cities in the state of Maryland. But, But time has a compound effect. Where when you're working it and when you don't rush it, year 12, we might launch five locations one year. Year 15, we might launch seven one year. But I understood for seven to 10 years, I had to lay the foundation. And I had to deal with one or two locations for the first 10 years. And that's what God is trying to get you to understand. It's not taking long. Peter actually says that God is not slow in fulfilling his promises to your life. You just need a revelation about his faithfulness and his goodness. He's going to come through. But in the meantime, I'm going to steward. Someone say steward. I'm going to steward my time. So time blocking is this. Let me give you this list real quick, okay? It is creating moment-by-moment intervals to fulfill my daily priorities. I'm creating moment-by-moment intervals. So I'm getting a planner. We talked about it last week. Invest in a planner. I I use the full focus planner. There are a lot of great planners out there. 
but every night I do my, I do my schedule. And an interval is like eight to 10. You, you, you gotta write this stuff down in 12 to two or eight to five or you know, six to nine. Like you have to create those moment by moment. And remember, like we said last week, all you need is three wins, Th- three wins. What are your top three priorities? All right, so here are four benefits of time blocking. Let's get practical a little bit. Number one is calendar clarity, calendar clarity. So when I do my calendar, I'm able, I can see what's ahead the next day. I can see what's going on in my week. Right. And I'm mentally prepared to win that day. I'm not surprised. Whoa, I didn't know. I didn't know that I had to do that. I didn't. I forgot about that appointment. I got to cancel. Oh, I forgot about that practice, that game, that recital. Oh, my God. No, it gives you clarity because it's right there. You, You took an hour the night before to do it, to dig into it. Number two is optimal focus. When you time block, now you can focus. Okay, from 10 a.m. to 2, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing deep work. I'm doing deep work. Someone say deep work. In order to be a master at anything, you got to get deep into it. Yeah, I I can't say, well, I got to preach this Sunday. Uh, I'll talk about this. No, no, no. That that would be a dis. I would dishonor you if I just flippantly got up here and talked about anything and just operated under a gift or anointing, that would be bad. God would be in heaven like, bro, you tripping. So no, no, I got to do deep work. I got to pray. I got to consecrate. I got to purify myself. I got to be in the Bible for hours just for 30 minutes. So you got to do deep work, optimal focus, everything else and everyone else can wait. It's not important. I'm focused. Number three, productivity, productivity. Someone say productivity, Productivity. right? My efforts are concentrated. Because the idea is that it's efficiency over activity. A lot of us are moving. We're doing stuff. But we're not efficient. Efficiency. Someone say efficiency. Efficiency Efficiency over activity. And number four, I love this one. Desire results. Desire results. Mm. You got some goals. You have a vision a year out. You can track those results in three months. You can track those results in six months. Because, man, look at me, faithful for one day, two days, a week, three weeks. Wow, I made it. Three months in, I've lost this much weight. I've lost this much whatever. I've gained this much finances, whatever. But it's desired results because it's you're tracking with it. And it's a discipline thing. Someone say discipline. discipline. Now, I also love David. Someone say David. David. I love David. David is considered, uh, God called him a man after his own heart. So, so David was... Always, and he had some bad seasons, but for the most part, he, he loved the Lord. David was always trying to track with the Lord. You got, you got to read his story. He was always praying, Lord, what do you want me to do? What, should I attack? Should we go to war? Should we, should we rest back? Like, what do you want me to do? I, I feel like as Christians, we, are, we should always be asking Jesus, what does my Tuesday look like for you? Because part of the Lord's prayer was this, right? Um, on earth as it is in heaven. So, so God already has plans for you tomorrow. But have you asked the Lord, what are his plans for you? Right. God already knows what your 5 p.m. is supposed to look like on Thursday. But have you asked Jesus, what does 5 p.m. on Thursday look like? Breathe on it. Someone say, Holy Spirit, breathe. Holy Spirit, Spirit, breathe. So a man after God's own heart, I want to align my heart with the Lord. So I want to take you to Psalm 139. David wrote this psalm. The, The word psalm means praise. David was the second king of Israel, the greatest king Israel had ever had. Psalm 139 says this here. And we're going to start at verse 13. 
This is David. He's saying this to the Lord. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. David's like, I'm fine. I look good. Right? He's all that. Okay. That's what that means. All right. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. So like when a woman is pregnant, that is the, the hand of God forming that baby. Right? God bless you, Isabel. Right? It says this here. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. Here it is. This is so powerful. Open your heart. You saw me before I was born. This is good. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. So there's a, there's a book in heaven that an angel is currently overseeing that pertains to your life. That in an ideal scenario, outside of sin, God had already written about you. So now the spiritual battle is that as you follow Christ, you begin to break through the demonic ranks of principalities that are trying to prevent you from tapping into the timing and the, the, the purpose of God. And you begin to pray and ask the Lord to reveal it to you. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment, someone say moment, was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. They cannot be numbered. Someone say moment. What are time blocks? Moment by moment. So, so our saying around Highlight Church is this, win the night, win the day. So th this is your call this week. I want you to take an hour every night this week. Pull out your planner, pull out your phone, and ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, what do you see for my tomorrow? I, I want to align my life. with when, when do I study? When do I go to bed? When do you want me to eat? When do you want me to work out? When do you want me to connect with my wife? When do you want me to connect with my children? What do you see, Holy Spirit? Because David wrote this when he was a young man. Psalm 16, though we're going backwards in the Psalms, he's an old man. This is right before he dies. Watch this. Psalm 16. He says this here, verse 5. Old man, he's reflecting. Here it is. Lord, you alone are my inheritance. He's reflecting on all of God's goodness. My cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. Hold on, hold on. He, he didn't say you guard all that is Chris's, right? I know you got some for Chris, but what's for Chris is for Chris. What, what was for Chow is for Chow. What's for Oscar is for, what's for mine? No, you guard what is mine's. So that's, that's why I can't be doom scrolling. Oh, look at that marriage. Look at that house. Look at all that money they throwing on the ground. My life sucks. We don't say that, but in our spirits. No, 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 no. God has something for you. You guard all that is mine. Watch this. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. Here's the takeaway from this, guys. Time mastery. Go ahead and write this down. Is the ongoing process of stepping into God's promises for your life. It's a very practical, oh, you talk, a planner? Yeah, planners are supernatural. And it's this ongoing process of aligning your days with heaven. And before you know it, 20, 30, 40 years from now, you'll be like, wow, this is wonderful. 
Look, look at my kids. Look at my grandkids. Look at my church. Look at my home. Look at the wisdom I've acquired following the Lord. Look at the peace I'm experiencing. That's what David's saying. You got to align your life with the Holy Spirit. Can we put our hands together if you've been encouraged today? Wow.